Wow, wow, wow. Come on. Good afternoon, Berlin International Community Church. What an amazing day we have had. I tell you, I was just thinking, what a time to be alive. That we can come freely into this place and worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hey, how many of you are blessed to be a part of such a great church? Oh, come on. I know there's a bit more of you than that. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, you know, I want to give honor where honor's due. And uh, I've been so inspired and, and so encouraged to spend some time today with your senior pastors, Pastor Steve and Pastor Karen, and also Pastor Andrew and Pastor Vera too. And their story and their, their faithfulness and sacrifice has really challenged my spirit. And I believe you're sitting under some of the finest leadership here in Europe. So why don't we give them a hand for... For what they do. So good. Yeah, I, I said, I told the other two services, I am married to, to one woman, praise the Lord. Her name is uh, Lisa and Lila, our little miracle child. There they are. Again, in the first service, I, I talked a bit about our story and how she really is a miracle. How sadly, uh, our first little girl bypassed earth uh, and went straight to heaven, born without a beating heart, no breath in her lungs. And you know, it was difficult to conceive. It really was. And we were told that, that we may never have a child, but, but we believed and we held on to the fact that our God is faithful and he works in the signs and wonders business. So, so if you've never seen a miracle, they're going to show you another one. There, there she is. There's my girl. Wow. I never get tired of seeing her little face. And so uh, I'm really blessed to be, be her dad. And uh, I have an incredible wife. They support me. They allow me to, to travel and preach the gospel, so, uh, you know, they're at home, they send their German greetings. Uh, in fact, you know, we've been married seven years nearly now, and uh, when we were dating, my wife, my then girlfriend, shall I say, asked what I wanted for my birthday, and I said, a wife. <laughs> we got married on my birthday. I, that way I never forget the anniversary. Praise God for that. So uh, God is good. No, it was more than that. I love her lots. I love her too. Anyway, are you ready for the final service of the day? Hey, why don't we give you all your team who have been serving today a hand of praise for their faithfulness and their commitment. Especially my brother Babs, who's been hiding up at the back. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, look, let me pray and then we'll, we'll get into the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do indeed thank you for what has already been accomplished in church today. We thank you for the salvations that we have witnessed. And Lord, we thank you that, that you are not finished yet. Lord, that you have saved your best till last. And so, God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will move among your people in this place. May they leave church tonight. So much different to the way they came in. I ask that you will speak a word that transforms their heart from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, the title of my text is this. Unlocking the power. Unlocking the power. One morning last summer, I had just endured a long week of broken nights of sleep due to my then one-year-old baby girl. 
I had been on daddy duty that week. And so when Saturday morning came around, my wife very kindly gave me an hour off. Ah, how many parents are grateful for the hour off? And so all excited, I wanted to make use of my time. And my hobby is to go to the gym. And so, so I packed my gym bag and made my way down to my car and threw the bag in the car. But as I went to turn on the ignition of my car, nothing happened. The car wouldn't start. This is a bad way to start your day off. And so I had to go around to my neighbor's house. How many of you are grateful for good neighbors? Those neighbors that always have what you need. And so I went round to, to their house and I asked if they could help me start my car. You see, I am no mechanic, but it was obvious what the problem was. My battery was dead. And so we connected my neighbor's car to my car and then turned on the ignition and boom, the car came alive again. I took it out for a drive so, so that it would keep its charge. I, I exercised it so that the power would be in use. Now, there was nothing wrong with the battery. It wasn't old. It wasn't broken. It was not damaged. It hadn't changed uh, its location. The reason the car had stopped functioning is because it had remained stationary on my driveway for several weeks. It was the lack of exercise that had caused the battery to run flat. It was the lack of exercise that caused the power to stop flowing. You know, you can have the best car in the world. It could be your, your black three-liter BMW Turbo. It could be your pink Audi Sport. It could be your, your red Ferrari. It could be all shiny on the outside. It could have the loudest sound system on the inside. It could even have a full tank of petrol. But if it has no battery, if it has no power, sorry, then that car is going nowhere. It will never fulfill its potential or carry out its purpose. If it stands still over time, then it will slowly begin to fade away. But this is what I want to talk to you about tonight. That as men and women of God, you have the potential to be whoever God has called you to be. To go wherever God has called you to go. But it is going to require some power, His power to get you there. You have access to the greatest power on the planet. But I wonder tonight, does it lie dormant in you? Is your battery charged up and ready to go? Are you exercising the power of God that currently resides in you? Jesus, just before his death, he promised all of his disciples that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that power would come upon them and it would enable them to preach the good news. It was power to activate miracles, power to have peace in the midst of their greatest trials. It was power that would be alive in them and that power they received, that power that they experienced is available to you today. 
Now, now you may think that you've messed up too many times, that, that you've missed countless opportunities. Perhaps you do not feel worthy or even adequate for God's power to flow through you. Well, I have to encourage you tonight that God's battery has not run flat. His power has not run out. His grace has not run dry. He is about to fire you up again. The power of God is about to be unleashed, unlocked, and let loose in someone's life tonight. I believe the miracles, miracles are coming your way. Are you expectant for that? You see, if you think that God cannot use you, then then this story that I'm about to share with you should encourage you. There was a man called Paul in the Bible, and he had a CV for killing Christians and breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was greatly feared because of the atrocious acts that he carried out. But everything changed in his life in Acts chapter 9, when on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that would transform his life forever. He collided with God's forgiveness, with God's love, and most importantly, God's power. And so one account from his life that I want to look at this evening comes from Acts chapter 9 and then give you a few keys that is going to help you unlock the power of God in your life. So let me tell you what is going on before we get into this story. Paul has been on the road now for for some years preaching the gospel. He's been planting and building churches all over many different cities and, and towns. But now in this story, he walks into Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the the largest cities of the day back then. Bible scholars estimate that there was around 200,000 people that lived there. It was known for its pagan worship. And the message of Jesus Christ was not welcomed in that city. It was hard ground. It was tough ground. But Paul went there anyway. And so we pick up that story right here in Acts 19, verses 8. And as I said earlier, they're going to put it up on the big Berlin Bible. Give me a wave if you brought your Bibles to church. Oh, uh, come on, not too many of you. Is it all on your phone? Yeah, um, yeah, of course it is. Make sure that phone's on flight mode. (laughs) Starting in verse 8. It says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily, daily in the lecture halls of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. 
And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them. He overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Well, I bet they were grateful that YouTube wasn't there back then. And so we read here in verse 8 that as Paul enters Ephesus, he wastes no time in, 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 in speaking boldly for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. And then in verse 9, it tells us that he then goes on to speak daily in a lecture hall for the next two years so that every person in that city had an opportunity to hear the word of the Lord. My, my, Paul was faithful. He was faithful. You see, that's the first key to unlocking the power of God in your life. Faithfulness. Two years and three months is equated to two lines and two sentences in the Bible. That is not a very generous bibliography. <laughs> Just think of all that can happen to you in two years and three months. Think of the, the emotions you experience, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, the times of laughter and the times of tears. Think of the new friendships you've made and the old friendships that you have lost. For some of you, your relationship status has been upgraded. You were single back then. Now you're married and have your first child on the way. For some others of you in here, you cannot even remember what you were doing two years and three months ago. It is a long time to wake up every single day and argue persuasively. To wake up each morning and decide before you get out of bed that you are going to be intentful, convincing, assuring, influential, and most importantly, trusting. Oh, there would have been more than one opportunity for Paul to have walked away from Jesus, to quit the assignment or give up on the call of God on his life. He could have made excuses. He could have got discouraged. No one was forcing him to be in Ephesus. There were other towns that needed to hear the message of Jesus. So why did Paul stay? I'll tell you why. Because Paul was faithful. He, he was faithful. After his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he knew there was no going back. He had tasted and seen that the Lord was good. There was nothing more rewarding, more fulfilling, uh, uh, more greater than pursuing and chasing after all that God had in store for him. He was all in. And no one was going to stop him. He learned that faithfulness is the key to unleashing God's power in your life. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Oh, it's hard to imagine what those days must have felt like for Paul. 
To some, that would have seemed like a very long time, marking off the days on your calendar, wishing the weeks away. But when you are faithful with what God has placed in your hand, you are not too concerned about the clock. You are committed to where God has positioned you right now. Your focus is to complete the assignment that God has given you no matter how long it takes. You are not looking for the next way up or the quickest way out. Oh, how easy it is to think that if you have been faithful in an area of your life for five minutes, that God should be moving you into the next dimension of your life. God isn't moving quick enough, so I'm going to make things happen all by myself. Thought he would have given me a husband by now, so I'll take the next guy who smiles at me. Thought he would have given me a wife by now. Well, I've seen this girl and whoo. She's good looking, but, but, but she's not a Christian, but, but I think that'll do. Oh, I've been working for that company for five years and still not got the promotion. Maybe if I take my boss out to dinner and remind him or remind her just how qualified I am, then maybe, just maybe, I'll get the promotion. Or perhaps if I sing in the choir for six months, then they'll ask me to lead worship. And if they don't, I'll find another church. Oh, how sometimes we want to force things. We try to make things happen in our own strength. Friend, God is not looking for the most accomplished, the most gifted, the most talented person. He is looking for somebody who is faithful, someone who wakes up each morning with a spirit of joy in your heart, someone who can praise God when all hell is breaking loose, someone who appreciates what God has put in your hands right now. You can give God a hand of praise if you want. God may have called you to a place that seems small to you right now. It may feel like God has forgotten about you, that the job, the season, or position in life that you find yourself in makes little sense. Perhaps you have no idea how where you are connects to your future. But if you stay faithful, if you stay faithful in prayer, stay faithful by reading his word, stay faithful in coming to church, stay faithful in trusting him, even when you cannot hear him or see him, if you stay faithful by turning up day in, day out, week in, week out, doing the best you can with whatever you have, then God will show up in your life for he sees all things. He knows all things. He loves you. He has called you. He has marked you to live a life of significance. Never will he leave you, nor will he forsake you. If you stay faithful, then your husband, he will come. The wife will come. The promotion will come. The finance will come. The restoration will come. The miracles will come. The answer will come. The power in your life will come. So do not despise the days of small beginnings, for I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Faithfulness is what unlocks the power of God. Oh, I'm just getting going. <laughs> I'm a bit different to the the normal English preacher. 
I may sweat a little bit, I might spit a little bit, I might shout a little bit, but I love Jesus. The second observation that will see God's power unlocked in your life is this, number two, is that Paul was fearless. He was fearless. Paul knew that him and his message would not be welcomed into the city of Ephesus. He knew that his life would be on the line for, for the threat of him being killed or going to prison was very, very real. Almost every town or city that he had been in, he had faced tremendous opposition. So could you imagine for a moment what was going through Paul's mind as he took the long road from Corinth down to Ephesus? He knew that he was walking into a storm. He knew that the people would despise him and do everything to harm him. There would be no red carpet rolled out. There would be no nice welcome team on the gate of the city like you have on the doors at Berlin International Community Church. He knew he was aware that there would be trouble on the horizon. Oh, he could have done a Jonah and diverted his route. He, he, he could have done a Gideon and hid in the wine press. He, he could have been like the rich young ruler and taken a step back and, and just settle for a life of comfort and look at everything he had already achieved. But Paul did not choose to do that. He goes straight into that city, armed and ready to be used by God. He was fearless. Oh, there is something inspiring about people who are fearless. People who don't let obstacles stand in their way. People who get back up even when they've not been knocked down. People who don't just dream the impossible, but learn and figure out a way how to go after the impossible. They are fearless. I wonder whether you have ever had to be fearless. You see, fear is very real to people. It is hard to describe, but I believe every one of us would have experienced fear. It can come in a number of ways. 18 months ago, I was on a flight, a six-hour flight, from Portland, Oregon to New York City. And we had 40 minutes to go until landing when we encountered turbulence. Now I have been in the plane many times and I've hit a few air pockets along the way where the tray table shakes and the seatbelt signs come on for a couple of minutes. But this was turbulence. This was turbulence like I had never experienced before. The plane was dropping out of the sky. The wings were tilting so far to the left and so far to the right that I could see the fish in the sea below me. Panic set in as I thought my days on earth were done. 
My self-control evaporated. The little composure I thought I had literally went out of the window. Tears started rolling down my cheeks as fear gripped my mind. I was scared. Then there's the fear that you can experience in the hospital. They found a lump in your breast or an unusual occurrence in your blood. And you have been told that you have to wait one week until you get your results. And that week, every day, fear comes knocking on your door. Then there's the fear you get when you receive an email, an urgent email from your boss who says that they want to meet with you in two days' time. That is 48 hours for the fear to build up inside your mind as you begin to think, what did I do wrong? If she says this, I'll say that. If he says this, I'll say that. Or perhaps it's the fear when the school calls to say that your child has been involved in an accident and you need to come and pick them up. But first, you have to drive across town and as you wait in the traffic, the minutes feel like hours as fear begins to tie its grip on your insides. Oh, there's the fear of rejection, the fear of failing, the fear of, of the unknown. And I would suggest that every person under the sound of my voice has experienced fear, has had to deal with fear. Well, Paul was no different. He had experienced fear. He knew what fear was. And as he walked into this city, he had every reason to be fearful but yet he decides that I am going to be fearless. Oh, that fear would not rob him. Fear would not stop him from doing what he was called to do because he had a clear understanding who was on his side. And the same God that was on Paul's side is the same God that is on your side. The all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. The God of peace. The God who protects. The God of hope. The God of victory. That God, that God is on your side tonight. That God was more alive to him than the fear that had tried to arrest him. Oh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom Shall I fear? Turn to your neighbor and say, you have nothing to fear. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor, just seeing who's listening today, and say, you have nothing to fear too. Some of you know I was going to do that. And so word had gotten out that miracles were happening through Paul to the point where the entire city, the Bible says the entire city. In fact, the next chapter, it tells us that because of Paul's preaching and teaching and the miracles that were happening, that a riot took place in the city. People were being saved, healed, and set free. And so there were some men, some men that wanted in on the action. They had seen the adoration and the praise that Paul was receiving, and they thought they could do the same. They wanted to turn the name of Jesus into a magical trick. They were professional fraudsters, imitators, scam artists. They didn't want the power of God to glorify God. They wanted the power of God to impress people. It was all about them and how good they could look. But today, 
Their cover was about to be blown. They had messed with the wrong person. Their imitation had reached its limitation. Oh, that will go down good on Instagram. (laughs) Their imitation had reached its limitation. And so I can imagine it that with the crowd starting to build around them and they cleared their throat and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And the evil spirit answered, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Who are you? These seven sons of Sceva had no power because they had no relationship with Jesus. They were not attached to the source. They had no connection to our Father in heaven. They were pretenders. Oh, have you ever noticed that a drawing of a boat will not help you sail across an ocean? That a painting of the sun does not provide any heat? That a photograph of your favorite German meal may whet the appetite, but it does not feel the stomach. Well, that is the same as speaking the word of God without knowing God, that he is our author and our perfecter. You see, this is what the sons of Sceva learned that day. They learned that you cannot be powerful in public unless you are prayerful in private. You cannot be powerful in public unless you are prayerful in private. God is not an accessory. He is not someone that you wear on your arm. He is not a convenience store where you show up only in times of of emergencies. If you want the power of God to be present in your everyday, then you need to walk with Him each day. You need to follow Him each day. You need to build a relationship with Him each day. For Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? When your life is attached to the creator of the world, when you seek his face, when you read his word, when you take time to get to know him, then no matter how high your mountain is, how deep your valley is, how wide your crisis is, God's power will start showing up in your situations. He will show up in the hospital room. He will show up in the classroom. He will show up in the boardroom. He will show up in the courthouse. He will take you by the hand and lead you beside still waters. He will even make a way where there seems to be no way. My God will promote you from the pit to the palace. When you get to know him personally and you live your life fearlessly, then power in your life will be released. For Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you, sister? Who are you, brother? Who are you? Is this helping you tonight? I want to call the band forward as I finish. I've got to give you everything I've got. So I don't talk the ears off of my wife when I get home. (laughs) The third and final key to unlocking the power of God in your life is this, number three is that Paul's focus 
was the fruit. Paul's focus was the fruit. It wasn't fame. It wasn't fortune. It wasn't social media followers. It was the fruit. His motivation to get out of bed every day for two years and three months to argue persuasively about the kingdom of God was because he loved people. He had a desire for an entire city to encounter Jesus Christ in a personal way. His message was so simple and so staggering that the Bible says as the sons of Sceva were trying to imitate him, they would quote him. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And I find this very interesting. They had no relationship with Jesus. They had never seen Jesus. They had never met Jesus. Yet these sons of Sceva knew that there was something about the name of Jesus that changed the atmosphere. Paul had made it extremely clear during his time in Ephesus that the message he delivered was never about him. It always pointed to Jesus, the living Son of God, the Messiah, the Good Shepherd, the Prince of Peace. He preached about Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave so that all humanity could be saved. It was never about him. It was never about Paul. He was not interested in speaking of himself because he knew that there was no power in his name. If he did, then these men would have said in the name of Paul, I command you to come out. But he said in the name of Jesus. They said in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Paul knew that the power and the authority was in Jesus' name. My father was a police officer for 30 years. And some days he would have to wear a uniform that would require him to carry certain equipment like a baton, handcuffs, and a radio. But there was one thing that my dad would have to carry every single day whether he was on duty or off duty, whether it was morning or night, and it was his warrant card. It was a badge that proved to others that should a situation arise around him, then he had the authority, he had the power to step in and deal with it. Well, the same, you see, I want to say this, but, but however, what good? What good is a police officer carrying a badge if he does not then exercise his authority? The same can be said of a Christian. What good is a man or woman of God if they've been given all the power and given all the authority, but they do not exercise it, if they do not use it? My dad had a badge. Well, friend, as Christians, as men and women of God, you too have a badge. He is called the Holy Spirit, and He is alive in you. 
and he gives you authority and permission to speak healing over that sickness, to speak freedom to that anxiety, to speak hope to your depression, to speak wholeness to that brokenness, to speak provision to your lack. You have the badge. You have the power. You have all the authority you need. But as I bring this to a close, I want to quickly tell you one more thing. For as the Bible says here in this story, that during these two years and three months, it says God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Extraordinary miracles. Wait a second. Extraordinary miracles? Miracles can be defined as an extraordinary event. So why does the Bible say that these miracles were extraordinary? That's like saying they were extraordinary, extraordinary. It, it, it doesn't make sense. But it got me thinking, yes, handkerchiefs and, and aprons that had touched Paul were being taken to the sick and, and they were being healed and, and, and being set free. And, and that was impressive and, and that was really cool. But, but that wasn't the only reason why these miracles were extraordinary. I believe that they were extraordinary because it had something to do with the amount of miracles that Paul was seeing in this city. You see, every day, every day, he argued persuasively. Every day, he faced opposition. Every day, he dragged himself out of bed was an opportunity for God's power to be displayed through him. Oh, there were days, there were days when Paul would have, would have got up in the morning. He, he, he would have taken a knock back from the day before, but he would have woken up in the morning and said, Lord, would you use me again? And he would rise victorious. Oh, there were days when, when Paul would have felt defeated, but he would have woken up again in the morning and said, Lord, would you use me again today? And he would stand strong. There were days when he would have felt weak, tired, and hungry. But he would have woken up again in the morning. And he would have said, Lord, would you use me again today? Because Paul knew that the more he boasted about his weaknesses, then the more evident God's power would start showing up in his life. These miracles were extraordinary, not because people got goosebumps every time they heard him speak, not because fireworks showed up every time he prayed. They were extraordinary because Paul made himself available every single day to be used by God. And as a result of it, an entire city of 200,000 people heard the word of the Lord. Friend, as I finish today, as I finish today, I don't know what your situation is, but I do know this, that if you wake up every morning and if you were to pray, Lord, would you use me again? His power will start showing up in your life. Don't you give up on God. You stay plugged into the source. Keep that battery charged up. Stay faithful on the inside. Live on the 
focus on the fruit and his power will transform your city in Jesus' name.